the Financial Secretary Phone-In with Peter Lewis. Call us on 233-88-266. Good morning. Welcome to this special program between now and nine o'clock. It's your chance to question the Financial Secretary, Paul Chan, on the budget speech he delivered on Wednesday. If you would like to talk directly to Mr Chan, just call us on 233-88266. We're broadcasting today on RTHK Radio 3, on RTHK TV 31, our YouTube channel, which is Radio 3 RTHK, and Facebook Live at Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Over the next hour... Mr Chan will be listening to your comments and answering your questions on his sixth budget, which at just over two hours was the longest since he became financial secretary. The highlights, the government has pledged over 54 billion Hong Kong dollars to fight COVID-19 on all fronts and at full speed, which was the phrase used by Mr Chan, and counter-cyclical measures to support the economy will total more than $170 billion. That's 6% of annual economic output. The headline, of course, is a new round of $10,000 electronic spending coupons for all permanent residents and new immigrants to Hong Kong who are aged 18 or above. That's part of a raft of one-off measures to boost our economy, including tax cuts, property rate concessions and electricity subsidies for residents. But it comes at a price. Our surprise budget surplus this year, forecast to be $18.9 billion, is projected to turn into a deficit of over $80 billion, or 1.9% of GDP in the next financial year, in the wake of the government's massive spending. So can our economy afford the pandemic containment measures, especially when the rest of the world is learning to live with the virus? How long can this go on for? And where will the money come from in future? Is the budget on the right track? Or do you have some better ideas about what should be done with your money? Tell Paul Chan what you think of the budget, and please ask questions about his plans. Call now on 233-88266. Good morning, Mr Chan, and welcome to the programme. Yeah, good morning, Peter. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, I want to start with a question about the economy. You said you were sure that the epidemic could be brought under control. You forecast that Hong Kong's economy will put up a better performance in the second half of this year and achieve growth of 2 to 3.5%. That's considerably more optimistic than many economists who are projecting mm. outright contraction for the first and second quarter and the economy slipping into a recession. Why are you so optimistic, particularly when the economy is likely to grind to a halt in March when the three rounds of mandatory testing take place? Well, perhaps the economies in the market uh, may not have the benefit of the information, may not, may not have the benefit of the scale of the stimulus package that we are putting forward. My assessment is that in the first quarter of this year, the economic situation is really bad. Uh, we may even go into a negative growth. But with the support of the central government and the assistance rendered by the different central authorities and the municipal authorities, and also the uh, united efforts, concerted effort of the government and the people of Hong Kong, I'm very confident that within the next two, three months, the pandemic situation here will be brought under control. And thereafter, if we 
follow the COVID zero policy. Like last year, uh, the economy will return to the normal track. People will come out, uh, have their ordinary activities, and then spend. Uh, with the launching of the second round of the consumption voucher scheme, uh, also the very resilient foundation of the Hong Kong economic structure, I think the second half the, of the year uh, will be a lot better. Of course, this will be subject to a lot of uncertainties, uh, pandemic situation globally, as well as the geopolitical situation. But on the one hand, we have to be very careful to get ourselves prepared for the volatility in the capital market and the changing external conditions. But on the other hand, we remain confident that if we, if we are able to bring this pandemic situation under control in the next two, three months, and then be able to revive the traveling between Hong Kong and the mainland, and with the increase in the vaccination rate, uh, with the development in the international market, the drugs for the treatment of COVID, it is hopeful that we will be also able to uh, start the international traveling in the latter part of this year. And do you have any idea of when that will happen? Because it, it probably it's not possible, is it, to make a, a real economic projection without knowing when our borders are going to reopen? Yeah, we try our best to do the assessment the best we can. Uh, well, you know, at the beginning of this year, we were we were about to announce the restart of the traveling between Hong Kong and the mainland on a quarantine-free basis. But because of this wave of uh, Omicron, uh, of course, this had been put to shelf. It is quite hopeful that uh, if, we were, if we are able to bring this wave of attack under control and then keep the dynamic zero situation, we would be able to restart the border with the mainland without quarantine restrictions uh, towards the end of the second quarter or in third quarter. But you're doing something that no other country or territory has succeeded in doing, mm -hmm. bringing cases down to zero or close to zero from levels as high as we are seeing now. Melbourne tried it. They locked down the city's residents for three months. It cost the economy over a thousand jobs a day. And the strategy didn't even bring cases even close to zero. And that was before the more infectious Omicron variant struck. So why does the Hong Kong government think it's, it's discovered a way of dealing with the pandemic that's escaped the rest of the world and other governments aren't doing? I think the mainland has succeeded in doing this. Not saying that they're there, there was no such COVID cases. We are not aiming at zero cases. But the point is, when those cases arise, it will be quickly identified, contained. The related people would be properly isolated and treated so as to keep the disruption to the daily life of the people to the minimum within a very short period of time so that we can back to normal as quickly as possible. Are, are you prepared that maybe we could be in the situation, maybe not too long off, uh, where the majority of Hong Kong residents have, caused, have caught COVID and, and that will be the way it is and then living with COVID will be forced upon us because we have no other choice. Are you preparing that that could be a possibility? Well, I do not want to speculate, but under the leadership of the CE, 
and with the concerted effort of the whole community. We are confident that we would be able to bring this under control within a comparatively short period of time. And as as uh, mentioned by the CE, there would be a compulsory universal uh, testing uh, followed by proper isolation and treatment in the coming months. Okay, just a reminder that if you want to speak to Mr Chan, the number is 233-88266. Sheila's on the line. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. Sheila, good morning. What's your question for Mr Chan? Uh, Yeah, it's uh, regarding the consumption vouchers. The wet markets, uh, you know, a lot of them do not accept digital payments. The supermarkets have become very, very expensive. Uh, We cannot pay our uh, water, gas, electricity bills. Uh, you know, uh, uh, by using the vouchers. So I'm just wondering if there's a better alternative for all this. Mr. Chan? Well, uh, you know, last year we were, when we launched the uh, electronic consumption voucher scheme, we also rolled out is an assistance schemes for the stores in the wet markets and the hawkers to install electronic payments. And according to the information provided to us by the four uh, operators, altogether there there were a total of over 4.7 million new users and also commercial clients about close to 100,000. We stand ready to support uh, the relevant markets uh, operators Mm. Uh, to provide support for them to to install these store value uh, payment systems uh, with assistance from the government. Sheila, would you would you have preferred to see some other way of receiving the money? Would you have preferred cash to consumption vouchers? Maybe Sheila, we've yeah, lost but, but Peter, the, 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 but did you consider cash as maybe an alternative? Uh, we have given that due consideration. The the final decision to pick consumption voucher is that, you know, currently under the attack of this wave of COVID, mm. uh, many uh, people in Hong Kong, particularly uh, those in the uh, lower income groups, uh, have been heavily affected. So we want to provide certain relief as quickly as possible. Uh, that's why we want to start paying it out in April. Uh, last year, about 6.3 million people have registered and this data with us. So using the same data set to, to give another round of voucher would be the fastest. Mm. If we were to embark on revert back to the system and ask people to provide bank account and do another round of registration, it would take a long time. And this, this time round, we would allow people a very long period to spend their money. Uh, well, you know, $5,000 if divided by six to seven months, it is on a daily basis, a small sum. And the coverage basically is very wide, including transportation and uh, and groceries. So we do think that this would be as good as cash. Okay. Um, just a reminder again, 233-88266. Abe is on the line. Good morning, Abe. Hi, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Abe. Um, yeah, I mean, once again, I mean, thank you so much for entertaining questions today. Uh, I just have one in regards to uh, support for the unemployed. Now, recently, the government did implement a one-off means-tested 
uh, benefit for the unemployed. Uh, I was just wondering uh, why, in the wake of what we're going to see in the, the coming months, which is probably rising unemployment in part due to these uh, draconian COVID measures, I mean, why doesn't the government join the rest of the developed world and implement a universal permanent unemployment benefit, not just for times of crisis, but for times of, normal, of normalcy too? Well, a permanent kind of unemployment support is indeed a very important policy area. The, if we were to uh, provide that kind of support, probably uh, that would require certain contributions from the, both the employers and the employees. And this is a major decision to be taken and need to be properly consulted and debated in the community. Uh, that's why my colleague, the Secretary for uh, Welfare, Labor and Welfare, said that uh, providing a long-term uh, unemployment support would not be possible at this stage without duly consider how it is to be financed. Abe, is this something that affects you uh, personally? Are, are you out of work or have you lost your job as a result of uh, the pandemic? Um, well, I mean, it's not something that affects me personally, but certainly, I mean, from past experience, there's no doubt that, you know, for people who do end up unemployed, and that is most people in their lives, it can be, you know, a deeply turbulent and uh, uncertain uh, experience. It really is quite rife with uncertainty. Um, and in regards to this argument about consultation, I mean, we've had a pandemic for two years. We've had higher than anticipated unemployment for two years. I mean, my question would be, why hasn't the government done the consultation already, especially considering that this has been uh, an idea that's been floated time and again, not just by uh, pro-democracy parties, by pro-China parties like the DAV, consistently for the past few years. So, I mean, I'm just sort of wondering why that action hasn't taken place yet. And to me, it just seems more like an excuse, with all due respect. Uh Abe, actually the proposals from the political parties is temporary unemployment support rather than permanent uh, unemployment support scheme. Uh, a permanent unemployment support scheme is indeed a very major policy. It needs to be, uh, needs to be considered very carefully because it must be properly funded. As to the short-term uh, unemployment support uh, under the AEF Anti-Epidemic uh, Fund, the reason wrong, uh, the government is going to provide $10,000 to the unemployed. And uh, also in my budget, I have expanded and extended the 100% uh, government uh, guarantee loan scheme for individuals who become unemployed. Uh, originally, the plan was to allow people to borrow up to six times of their monthly salary, up to a maximum of, mm, of 80000 mm. Now it has been increased to nine months, and the maximum is $100,000. Uh, the interest rate is very favorable, just 1%, and in the first 18 months, people just pay interest. And when they fully repay the amount, they will get their interest repaid back to them. So we hope this will go some way to alleviate uh, providing an option to those unemployed. But unemployed people tend not to want to take on debt when they're unemployed, uh, and, and particularly as they're worried that this could be a long period of unemployment because some of their empl employees have closed down, their jobs aren't available for them to go back to anymore. 
Yeah, I understand. I understand. But uh, I'm just providing an option uh, because for the unemployed financial support, uh, the current round, uh, as rolled out by the AEF, as I mentioned before, but I would like to provide people with one more option if they would like to use. Uh, because that those terms are very favorable and we have been very accommodative. And I also hope that the relief packages in the in the budget, uh, including the consumption voucher, will be able to provide some sort of relief. Uh, Abe, thank you very much for your question. John's on the line. Good morning, John. Uh, yeah, hi. John, good morning. Good morning, uh, Mr Chan. Uh, I'd like to ask why the, um, the civic-minded, triple-vaccinated citizens of Hong Kong are being punished for the actions of the few who have refused to get vaccinated. Um, and they've had a year to do this. And in light of that, why is the $10,000 not linked to being vaccinated? Much like this new vaccine pass is, you need to be vaccinated. Why... If you need to uh, give out this $10,000 consumption voucher, should it not go to the vaccinated only? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, I did have given this serious consideration and came to the conclusion that perhaps we should delink this too. Uh, let me explain why. The current vaccination rate across the territory is over 80%, about 85%. And those... Uh, who have not been vaccinated mostly are elderly, uh, particularly the even older ones. And for these elderly, perhaps in terms of uh, financial relief, uh, they are the most needy. Um, well, my experience uh, in I, my experience with these elderly is that if this ten thousand dollars is not going to be paid to them if they have not been vaccinated. That will cause tremendous stress on these elderlies. Mm -hmm. I think perhaps will, this may not be something that we want to do. It will, it, it will cause them to go and get vaccinated. Same as your, your, your vaccine, leave home safe. They want their yamcha, they got, suddenly they started getting vaccinated. It's not rocket science. But we, we are getting punished for the actions of the few. Um, well, we may have come to different conclusions. And, and Austria, I agree has, Austria that, uh, has mandatory vaccination, right? They're not a totalitarian state. So if they can do it, why can't we do it? Uh, I'm sorry. I do not think that uh, on this point uh, we can come to the same views. Uh, John, uh, I, John, I presume you are one of the vaccinated, fully vaccinated people. Do you feel that you've received from the government any benefits as a result of being fully None vaccinated? None whatsoever. And I, and I know that many who have been vaccinated feel the same. Um, and, you know, we would have at least liked the initially last year when uh, we got vaccinated early, that possibly there would have been a reduction in the quarantine international travellers, but there wasn't even that. Um, so, no, I, I seriously don't see why people have uh, gone out of their way to be, as I said, civic-minded, and yet, uh, you know, what, what was the point? We did it when there was no COVID in the city. Now there is COVID in the city. We're going to, you know, uh, be at risk of being carted off to some sort of uh, quarantine gulag. Uh, I can understand the sentiment. Uh, I can understand the sentiment and the frustrations. Um, 
Well, you know, lately the government has announced the vaccine uh, passport. Uh, only those uh, people who have been vaccinated would be allowed to certain premises, including restaurants, things like that. Um, that, in some way, uh, responds to the uh, to the call of the people who have been vaccinated, and perhaps in the future, in terms of the quarantine policy, uh, the whether people have been vaccinated should be a relevant factor to take into consideration in determining the period of quarantine, uh, plus, uh, plus accompanying more frequent tests. So that, is certainly, uh, that is certainly one possible option to look at uh, in the future. To be fair, there's been two years to prepare for this moment. Why hasn't the government in that two-year period taken far more steps to encourage and to help the elderly get vaccinated? Uh, I think my colleagues in the government, uh, my colleagues in the government uh, have been doing their best and they have been trying very hard. Uh, well, recently, uh, in terms of vaccine passport and along with other measures, we, we are pleased that uh, the vaccination rate has been improved. Uh, the entire exercise of fighting this COVID has attracted the highest uh, attention from the government and the sea is personally leading this. So let me assure you that uh, in the highest level of government, we have been looking at this very uh, carefully and diligently. John, thank you for your question. The number is 233-88266 if you would like to speak to the Financial Secretary. Miss Wong is on the line. Good morning, Miss Wong. Oh, good morning. Miss um, Wong, good morning. Yeah, I want to... Um, uh, ask if um, the new your new announcement of the property. Uh, usually, uh, couples are holding one single property, and then you you said that the exemption is only for one flat. I want to inquire if you allow one person to, to hold uh, individually. Um, that means two flats are involved for couples that holding uh, holding the two with John tenancy. Well, uh, the we are going to consult the uh, Let's Go Financial Affairs panel, and further yeah. details will be announced therein. the yeah. The policy uh, the policy consideration is that for individuals. They may claim race relief for not more than one property, and they can exercise if among uh, John John ownership, they can decide on which one to make the election. Do you see this? Sorry, Miss Wong, do, are you happy with that? But if uh, uh, we are holding two flats and both are uh, John tenants or John owner, can we get two? Uh, property exempted from the rate? Um, it seems to me that it is yes. Oh, oh then, then it's uh, fair, I think. Okay, okay. so you're, you're happy with that, Miss Wong? Yes, thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much, Miss Wong. Anita's on the line. Good morning, Anita. Um, good morning. Um, thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Yeah, good morning, Anita. Um, Mr. Tan, in your budget, you provided for a tax deduction of up to $100,000 for those who rent their homes while paying salaries tax. 
but you don't appear to have done anything this year for those who own their own home. As you may know, many Hong Kong people have had to remortgage their homes to help cover expenses during these difficult times. As you can imagine, many people's expenses have increased, people's incomes have fallen, and I know personally of many people who have had to remortgage their homes. Um, it would have been helpful to many middle-class Hong Kong families if you had extended the home loan interest deduction from 20 years to 25 years to help with this, and it would have been helpful to increase the amount from 100,000 to 150,000. It seems surprising to me that you are providing support to those who rent their homes, but no additional support to those who actually own their own homes and have had to take out remortgaging. Uh, Anita, actually, uh, when I, after I take, after I took up this office, I have extended the uh, mortgage interest deduction eligibility period uh, from 15 years to 20 years. The current move to allow residential rental deductions in series tax is simply to bring this on par with those who own their homes. So no matter you are renting or you are having your own flat, your interest expenses or rental expenses will get deduction up to the same amount. Uh, to me, this is a, a fair treatment in answering to the call from the community over the past few years. You see it as a first step, is 100,000. Is that something that maybe in future years you can see being increased? Uh, this, well, the various deduction amounts uh, will be regularly reviewed every year. Uh, but at least I think this is a good first step. Uh, Mr. Chan, in answer, just let me carry on with one point then. As you're well aware, um, the Hong Kong salary tax law allows for employers to structure their employment contracts. So there are already many Hong Kong people who have a proportion of their rental income, rental payments covered through the structuring of their employment contracts. So there are many people who are only paying 10% of the balance of their salary um, towards, as you know, as income toward, that, that is normally part of their rental contract. So people that rent have already a huge advantage over those that are paying the mortgage. So when you say you're putting this on the same level playing field, you really aren't because anybody who currently rents a home is able to structure their salary contract so that the amount they pay in rent is covered by the employer when in most cases it is not. And then the value of that rental property is only 10% of the remaining income. So they've already had a huge benefit, whereas people that pay a mortgage, most people's mortgages are 25 years today. Interest rates are going up globally and people will be hit. And many, many people in Hong Kong have had to remortgage their homes. Well, whether we are able to extend the uh, mortgage deduction period or to increase the mortgage interest deduction amount, uh, perhaps is something for the future budgets to consider. You have, uh, you have brought out a point about the current favorable treatment uh, in cases where the employer provide a quarter to the employee or reimburse the rental expenses uh, 
the rental expenses uh, paid by the employee, there will be no double benefit. I mean, for people whose rental expenses is to be reimbursed by the employer, they won't be able to get this deduction. Anita, thank you very much for your question. Zachary is on the line. Good morning, Zachary. Morning. Zachary, morning. good morning. What's morning. your question? Um, the, the question I'd like to ask the Financial Secretary is uh, with regards to the flight of the expat community that's happened, I think we've seen it happening over the last six months, and uh, it will continue, well, probably continue. I just want to see whether, whether you know, you think it's a long-term trend or a short-term trend or whether it's a concern. I mean... Just quickly, I'll tell you my case. I mean, we moved Please. here yeah. in 1984, and um, I run a successful business here. I ran a successful business in Shanghai for 15 years. Um, and I woke up this morning and thought, you know what? I am an educated person. I have a young family. I have a profitable business. I can move anywhere. And are you thinking of Why doing do so? I need to stay here. Oh. You know, and so if, if I have this sort of mindset, I'm sure there's many people that have this mindset. Are you concerned that it will have an economic impact? Bearing in mind that it tends to be the expat community that do pay salary tax and don't hide behind dividends, etc. Um, Saki, would you like... Yeah, I, I certainly will, uh, will answer your question with my honest assessment, but may I inquire... Uh, the reason for you to say, for example, leave Hong Kong for cities like Shanghai or other places? No, 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 it's not. No, I mean, I, I, I actually just came back to Hong Kong seven years ago. Mm. I grew up here, obviously. I moved to Shanghai. I set up a successful business there, mm. employing staff there. I came back seven years ago because I want to have children in Hong Kong. Because uh-huh. as an expatriate, I thought my children would probably have a little bit more rights. Uh-huh. I don't have any Chinese blood. My mm. kids don't have any Chinese blood. So I thought they would have slightly more rights mm. if they were born here. Well, for going to school, health, care, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So I moved back here, uh, continued my business. Well, set up in China, uh, mainland China, mm. into, into the, the Chinese city of Hong Kong. Um, and, mm. and I never for once ever thought that I would ever consider leaving. My, my, my entire family's here. Mm. for three generations. And uh, I just woke up this morning and I thought, you know what? Maybe it's time Hong Kong proves to me that I should stay rather than you know, me thinking like, oh, I'm very grateful to be here. I'm so lucky to be in the situation. Yeah. And it's just that small mindset change that I'm wondering, like, how many other people are going through this? Mm. Is, this is this a consideration from an economic point of view for Hong Kong with regards to tax? with regards to tax income from salaries from expatriates, with regards to talent coming in, wanting to come in, being grateful to be here, feeling so privileged that they are in such, you know, a country that provides such great opportunity where they can travel between all the cities in this country, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Beijing, and be prosperous. Or will they just say, you know what, like for me, you know, I could go anywhere. That's what I realized this morning. I could take my business anywhere, and most countries would be happy to have my business because it's profitable, because I have a young family. There's a lot of us in this situation. Do you think this is a short-term trend, a long-term trend, or actually just a small little detail? 
you know, for, for the government to consider. Like, is it negligible, this flight? Is it something you talk about from an economic point of view? Well, I understand that uh, in the past 12 months, because of the COVID situation, uh, the situation for expatriates working in Hong Kong uh, could be challenging uh, because of the travel restrictions uh, affecting the family connections. But I would see this as a short-term challenge only. The fundamental of Hong Kong and the core attractiveness of Hong Kong remain unchanged. As you rightly point out, number one, uh, under the one country, two system, Hong Kong is different from the rest of the country. Uh, that is about the economic system, about the legal system, about also uh, the way business is to be conducted. Um, also, in terms of access to information, different uh, freedoms, the freedom of speech, freedom of travel, freedom of moving money in and out, remain unrestricted. The way of life in Hong Kong is very attractive, very metropolitan. Uh, and also, this is where East meets the West. Uh, not just, uh, not just uh, a slogan, but you look at the restaurants, uh, look at the cultural activities, uh, look at the cultural programs that we have, uh, very rich. And also the series tax here is very competitive. I think this is the lowest in the region. Uh, not to mention cities on the mainland, even our neighboring uh, competing cities uh, in the region. No one could match us in terms of the competitiveness of our series tax. Zachary, do you, do you agree with that? Do you feel that despite the current problems, the fundamental attractiveness of Hong Kong remains unchanged? I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, to, to that last point on the tax, you know, obviously, because I because I employ staff in mainland China, I know how expensive it is compared to Hong Kong to employ staff. So from an economic point of view, the, the ability to be agile as a business in Hong Kong is, is far exceeds any other, other yeah, city true. in China. However, the points about, you know, uh, being an in, in international city, I think, you know, we're seeing this trend... Um, you know, we're, we're seeing it becoming less international. I don't think anyone can, can claim that it is. So let's, let's take a point of view. If I was, you know, a young graduate and, you know, coming out of a university in Hong Kong, with the city being less internationalized, I think the, I think the benefits of being here are not as good as they would be if I moved to, like, you know, Hangzhou or, like, Nanjing somewhere and just started a business there. Because, you know, I just feel like, we're we're lo we are losing our 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 attractiveness, you know. And and t as an expatriate coming over, you know, tax is one point, but at some point it it goes lifestyle trumps tax, you know. And so you you're probably going to move to a to a place where okay, sure you're going to pay ten percent more tax, but you're actually going to get a, a much better lifestyle opportunity, and then. With that will come the job opportunities, you know, because regional regional offices that have tended to have a bigger footprint in Hong Kong, right, will then move them to the smaller offices that say were May Singapore and staff up there gradually over a period of years. 
And then what we find in Hong Kong is we are less internationalized. We are slightly cut off from the mainland. Well, I, I cannot agree that uh, we are less internationalized. Uh, in terms of traveling with, because of the COVID situation in the past uh, 12 months, uh, that may pose challenges. But when I look at the, uh, the vibrancy, for example, in our tech sector, Uh, among the 4,000 startups in Hong Kong, uh, a very substantial portion is from overseas, particularly in the area of fintech. Uh, in terms of business opportunities, business prospects, Hong Kong has Hong Kong is very well positioned. Okay. Uh, particularly the GBA opportunities, Greater Bay Area. When I look at the tech sector, we have attracted over 28 international. Uh, Uh, universities and research institutes over the past year to come to Hong Kong to set up a research lab with our universities. Mm -hmm. uh, in the financial service sector, tremendous opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, it is record year for the banks in the year 2020, and the growth is still very impressive okay. in 2021. So business opportunity-wise, it is very, 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 very positive. Uh, yeah. And lifestyle... Uh, we've, got a, we've got another question coming okay. to the chat. So, Zachary, thank you very much for your question. Jeff is on the phone. Jeff, what's your question? Good morning, Mr. Hi, Jeff. Secretary. Good morning. Peter. Thank you for taking our questions. The HKSAR government has saved many, many lives during the pandemic, and we wholeheartedly commend the government for its excellent performance in this regard. Um, thank you. As for economic health, um, fiscal aid, while highly appreciated, can't reverse the bankruptcies or re-employ the many thousands who have lost their jobs in the travel and tourism sectors. The rest of the world now treats COVID as endemic. And if we reopen, those are the conditions we must live with. And so my question is this, the goalposts for reopening to travel seem to keep moving. Central government authorities said that we could live with the virus when the mortality rate dropped to 0.1%, similar to the flu. The vaccination rate is now approaching 90% in adults, and the government recently announced that the mortality rate for those vaccinated is an implied 0.03%. New medicinal treatments promise to lower mortality rates further. I believe we need to monitor these mortality rates a bit longer. But when we are confident with the trend, will we follow the central government guideline of 0.1% mortality to reopen to travel? This is the best way to restore the thousands of lost jobs and livelihoods. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, actually, in the past few months, uh, the effort of the government is to align our quarantine policies and COVID policies with those of the mainland so that we can revive the traveling between Hong Kong and the mainland. Uh, I, I note your point. Uh, uh, this is certainly uh, something we, we will be looking into in order to enable us not just to reopen the border with the motherland, but also uh, with the international community. Well, we have a situation where, as, um, as, as Jeff says, the mortality rate is actually very low. Wouldn't the best um, 
the best strategy be to isolate the people who are unvaccinated, the elderly, and let the vaccinated as much as possible try and get on with their lives because vaccinated people are already in their minds learning to live with this. You know, we accept that maybe there's a risk that we're going to get COVID. And unless we're unhealthy or unvaccinated, the chances are we're going to survive. Shouldn't we be moving towards that more of that mindset now and trying to open up as much as possible? Peter, it would be very difficult because, you know, now the low vaccination rate is among the elderlies. And these elderly have their children, their relatives who will visit them. With vaccination doesn't mean that people would not carry the virus and get the others infected. But it is after vaccination, if people got uh, infected, the consequence is less serious. Uh, we do not want to see a high mortality rate among our elderlies. Jeff, do you feel that uh, Mr Chan did enough to help the travel and tourism sector in his budget? I, I think he's done what he, what he could, but the point is that really the only thing that can help is reopening. And it seems like the mortality rate is already significantly lower than the target that the central government set. So once we have confidence that this is not an aberration of data, once we, once we have a longer period to look at, then logically we should follow the central government directive and, and open up again. Yeah, I know your point. Yeah, I think this is a very valid point. And it is very important for Hong Kong as an international city, a small and open economy, be able to open to the mainland as well as to the international world as soon as possible. Jeff, thank you very much for your question. Harris is on the line. Good morning, Harris. Uh, good morning, Mr. Chan. Yeah, good morning, Harris. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm 14 and I've been following your the I've been having an understanding on your policy. So I, I'm, I'm quite concerned about because actually I've seen your your report and basically most of the policies there are quite targeted for those over 18 including a ten thousand dollar consumption voucher that's for only for those who are above 18 and also there are some policies which are related to tax reduction and also for those corporations that's targeted for those above 18 so i wonder is there any policies which might be able to assist those who are under 18 because there are many parenting families who have children and they also have expenses. Now, expenses for children are also high these days, such as textbooks, yeah, and also yeah. other fees like tuition. So many families cannot afford to raise children. So I wonder, is there, is it, are there any policies for, the, for those people, especially poor families which also have children? Well, they are in a quite hard, they in a condition which is quite difficult. So I wonder. Yeah, yeah thank you, Harris. Um, you know, the for the tax deductions relief, it is for the uh, for for the adults because they are the taxpayers. So uh, even if I said uh, I give this tax relief, uh, actually there is no age limitation. Uh, even a a, a a young people of 14 years of age, if you pay tax, you still be eligible for tax, those, those tax deductions. Yep. 
For the consumption voucher, it is an affordability consideration as well as by paying to the adults in the family, they would naturally take care of their family. For children, I think the the most important uh, investment for us to make for these young people is education. And the budget is tremendous. And at the opening of the school year, uh, do you remember we have about $2,500 allowance uh, for each child? Mr. Chan, we're depriving our children right now of education. Harris, I presume you're one of those children affected by that. So your, your classes have been cancelled, your online classes are cancelled, your, your summer holiday has been brought forward. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, actually, I understand the reasons behind the policy. So I understand that. But then what I hope for is that there would be you know, there will be some policies which are even targeted to those who have the ch children, you know. Mm. Uh, like, okay. I mean that, because even though I understand Mr. Chan just mentioned about the $2,000, which are for the school children, okay, and I think that there are also policies which are helping the other parts of children, like non-education-related parts, such as their daily living expenses. I think it's at that point for the consumption works well, okay, Harris, thank, equal to everybody. Thank, because, th Harris, thank you very much for your, for, your, for your question. We've got a lot of people online, so we need to move on. Ming, your, your question, please, for Mr. Chen. Um, I have two, please, please. Yeah, good morning. Uh, good morning, um, uh, Secretary. Um, you are one of the person most sincere tone, and I believe in your sincere heart. Yeah, thank really, you, Ming. So many years even these five years. And you impress us that this year you have a rent space for the end nothing people in the middle. That is really, we will remember forever. <laughs> okay, but my question is the first one um, about epidemic uh, handling. Mm. If you put money inside something, you will always encourage something. Mm. So please listen to more um, different expertise. What, what in particular do you think the money has been, been For wasted example, on me? I can prove that until this moment, I was positive, I was a test negative without using any drugs. There are many other ways. So this is not possible to ask the other people not to go there in there. If you put money just inside to so many lousy things afterwards, then you are encouraging them to go to the wrong direction. Even in the winter, people have to outside the hospital, something like that. So the principle is that, another question is about principle. Um, do you think Hong Kong is encourage people to do good or no encouragement to do good? For example... Well you okay. put 10,000 for people going outside Hong Kong, but people contributing in Hong Kong... So do, do, are you objecting to the 10,000 vouchers? Is, is that what you're saying? You think they're a, a waste of money? Even the unemployment or in the middle of the people, they got the same equal, but they are contributing in Hong Kong so much. But outside Hong Kong people, you are not setting another rule that you are contributing to the charity or society audience okay, Ming. So, register or ask them to pay more tax. Then what is the principle in Hong Kong? And people in Hong Kong doing good, 
So, Mr. Chan, I think Ming's question uh, is... <laughs> yeah, Peter, please. Uh, um, how, how do you encourage people to to do good through some some of these policies? And she's suggesting maybe that yeah, yes. some of the some of the money has just been wasted. Yeah. Uh, Ming, are you complaining that uh, the ten thousand dollars, even for those who have immigrated to other countries, would and be also, eligible to also, apply? And also, secretary, that is important. You you know a lot of people design a lot of capital pool like MPF and NOT. So so let, let's stick Ming Ming Ming. Let's stick stick to the consumption vouchers and do 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 you think the consumption vouchers are a waste of money? Is are are you saying that 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 was a waste? No, that is the principle. All the design designer not doing good is getting most of the money, but they only pay for sixteen percent. Okay, so, so Mr. Chen, could, could, the, could the money have been more targeted maybe? Because a, a lot of people don't need $10,000, whether it comes in cash or consumption vouchers. Could, could it have been more targeted so that those people who really need it the most were the beneficiaries? Well, you know, if we need to introduce certain screening, more targeted approach, that would also involve a lot of administration, mm. administration costs. Like uh, a few years ago, we launched a caring and sharing scheme, $4,000, for those who would not be able to get up to $4,000 in terms of series tax rebate plus race relief. At the end, that has caused certain complaint and chaotic situation among the community. So what we learned is that uh, perhaps, particularly in this dire economic situation, it should be more broad-based. Uh, for those who do not need this, they please no need to register. Or even if they register, they can make a donation. Mm. Let me share with you one one figure. The eligible number of eligible people for the consumption voucher scheme is seven million, but in fact the number of registration is only six point three million. Mm. So uh, I would encourage for those who are better off, who who fought that they may not need the consumption voucher, they could either do not register or register and use those money to help the others put it to good use. Okay. Yeah. So, Ming, thank you for your question. John is on the line. Good morning, John. Good morning, sir. John, good morning. Um, yeah, sir, it's an honour to, to, uh, to, to speak to you. Um, our prayer, we've already been praying for this city. We pray, and but when we heard Thank about you, John. The, yes, sir. When we heard about the... The ten thousand dollars, we was very happy because the situation, the problems, and some of us, you know, that lose our jobs, we lose our homes, and at least we expect maybe somewhere a little bit small room for three thousand dollars. We was expecting that money, but after some days, when we heard about being paid electronically, we got frustrated and depressed again. So if there's any other way that those that really in need, because we know that the $10,000 is to help, really help those who are desperate. And we, we, we always go into the social welfare. And when we heard about the 10000 we was happy. But now uh, uh, there's no other way that you can receive the $10,000 to go and pay at least two months, three, 3000 for a little room to manage, keep yourself safe. Or, you know, there's any other way that people can receive someone who is really desperate and apply to get the $10,000 in cash? Well, John, uh, this money will be paid through the account. I mean, the uh, electronic payment, the electronic 
operator can octopus or the other means uh, registered by you and you can use it for a very the, the scope of permittable use is indeed very wide Mm. But you can't uh, use it for things like rent or electricity bills or, or gas that, bills. That's true. That's exactly. true. But that can be. But that money can be used for your other daily necessities and your daily traveling. That's the problem. So when we're sleeping on the street, what, what will you go to the uh, to, uh, to somewhere to the uh, welcome and buy goods? What were you carrying these things? At least. $6,000 you can pay for two months, a little bit of room uh, at least, and manage the rest of it and buy something to keep keep in home until you can find another job, you see? So it's a little bit depressed and frustrated. Increase the frustration, increase the depression, and, we, you know, we was happy, joyful that we're going to get a room, but now we got to go to the supermarket or go to go shopping. And to those that are sleeping on the street uh so we really appreciate you are a good man, you have a good heart. But if there's any other way to apply for someone who is desperately mean to, 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 to just to get a room. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your presence. Thank okay, you John, time. thank you for your question. So is there any other alternative for people who maybe don't have octopus cards or electronic mm -hmm. means of, uh, of payment? There are people like that in Hong Kong. Yeah, uh, Peter, we are uh, making these arrangements for six to seven million people. Uh, if we want to build in that kind of flexibility in the system, it needs time. Uh, that would, be, would not be as quick as April that we can make the payment. Okay, John, thank you for your question. Kim is on the line. Good morning, Kim. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Hi. Kim. Hi, good morning, um, Mr. Chan. Um, Mr. Chan, I'm a Hong Kong born and bred. Um, I'm very proud of my home. But I have to say, um, my heart is being broken into pieces each day. I'm, I wanted to call and ask you, um, with regards to your budget forecast, um, first of all, does it, are you banking a lot on the quote-unquote uh, success of the compulsory, um, what's it called, universal testing? Um, because, and I, and I also want to ask you about this um, e-voucher. I mean, so you were saying it takes a lot of time to get the infrastructure, a lot of administration costs to actually make it more targeted. To be fair, we've had two years. Have we been that arrogant to think that what we did two years ago was going to be mm. enough? We did. We failed with the care homes. I think Hong Kong's arrogance in terms of... So, and so, it pains me to say this. It, it, it's just been shocking. And now we're going back to... I feel like so, I'm Kim, on your, on, your first, on your first point about the, uh, the, 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 the mandatory testing, is that something yeah. that you are for or are you against that? I'm absolutely against it. What an absolute utter waste of time and money. By the time they get the results, people have been wandering around. There are actually signs outside testing centres saying it will take five to ten days or five to seven days. So, so Mr Chan, is it too late? We're, we're now at the point where, you know, we're, we're going to soon see over 10,000 cases a day. Hong Kong University is predicting, uh, you know, we could get up to something like 180,000 cases. Is it now too late to start the, the universal testing? We should have done that right at the beginning. Yeah, no, no. Peter, what Kim was saying that if after the testing, the result is only available seven, eight days later, that testing won't be useful. Too late. Yeah, but I think uh, under the universal testing arrangements, uh, the, the, the testing capacity will be hugely increased, and I don't think it would take that long to get the results. Um, yeah. And, and Kim, your question on the, uh, on the vouchers? 
can I just follow up on this one? They're aiming for a million tests a day. We can't even do 20,000 now. Mm. I mean, um, there's no way. I don't know anywhere in the world. So, Mr. Chen, no, no, we're, we're, we're running out of time. So, Mr. Chen, are we going to get well, to the, the point the, where we can test people? Uh, the te- the testing capacity has been increased a lot more, not just 200,000. Okay. I think my colleagues have been working very hard. We are all out to make this uh, okay. testing successful. So let's hope it does work. Sorry to interrupt you, but sadly, Mr. Chairman, we've, we've run out of time. Th- thank you very much for joining yeah, us. Thank you, Peter, for the morning. invitation. And for addressing all the concerns of our listeners and viewers, a wide range of, uh, of uh, points there. And thank you for taking the time to call into the programme with your questions and comments. We've heard a lot of interesting viewpoints this morning. Apologies if you weren't able to get through with your calls. On Radio 3 next, the news is coming up followed by the COVID update. On TV 31, the Budget Forum is next. Thank you very much for watching and listening this morning.